0: Thank you, Dr. Tucker. I want to thank President Hagen, Ms. Hagen, uh, Dr. Graham. Thank all of you for the opportunity to be here again today. And I want to thank you for coming to chapel when I know you had other things to do, like study. <laughs> so um, real quickly, I have, there was a word from the Lord. And I really believe this is a word from the Lord because this is not what I came up here to preach uh, when I left Dallas. And um, yesterday, while I was lecturing in a class on homiletics, I heard a voice from out of heaven tell me to preach what I'm gonna preach now. And I just came up with the title when I was standing right there, and it's called, The Moment. Say, The Moment. Now, if you turn quickly in your Bibles, and I think they're gonna put it up here in Genesis chapter 32. 22 through 32. The night Jacob got up and took his two wives his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the fort of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Somebody say alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name, Jacob? Uh, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, "Uh, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. The word of the Lord. Somebody say, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you stand up in me. These moments that we have together, I pray that you consecrate them. And I pray that this not just be a chapel service, a little sermon, uh, but let this be a moment. A moment with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Life is best understood as a journey of discovery. Many times we approach life as a destiny when life is a journey. The journey is filled with, you said, moments of experience. In our lives, none of us remember our life like uh, a video where we can just recount every moment, everything that ever happened in our lives. But we remember moments. There were moments that triggered emotion. Some were joy, some were sorrow, some were um, anger. Uh, And these moments tend to evoke these emotions. Uh, And sometimes they're victory moments or moment of defeat. Or you remember that time when we went on a field trip or that time I went overseas or that time this person did that to me. And, And sometimes even when we encounter a similar situation it kindles the emotion all over again. I've seen people sit there and just start crying. And you say, why are you crying? Because they thought of a moment. The very thought brings back the emotion of the moment. So theological anthropology teaches us that along life's journey, everywhere, everyone ponders at least three questions. One is, who am I? Where did I come from? And what is my purpose? And interestingly enough, the moments in our lives sometimes squander us so tightly, squeeze us so tightly, that we allow situations that occur to determine the answers to those very important questions. You are not what happened to you. When you ask the question, who am I? Well, you are not. What they said that you are. You are not what happened to you. Where did I come from? You did not just come from a poor situation or abuse or fatherless home or broken situation or come from molestation or come from uh, whatever violation that may have happened in your life. But many times those moments will force meaning on the questions that we all have deep down inside of us. And ultimately, too often, we allow the moments of our lives to determine our purpose. Everybody wants to live into a purpose. God called each of us to live into a purpose. He brought you here to the school so that you can be better equipped to live into your purpose. But sometimes situations, whether it's financial or relational, can distract us so much that we can lose sight on the very purpose that we believe that God called us into. Can I get a witness in here today? Everybody has a purpose. And I'm talking to the person who has said to yourself, I don't have purpose. The person who has said, I don't have talents. Usually we say those things because we look in the face of somebody else we admire and we determine based on their competence that we can't. And so they become a defining factor in our lives and we lose sight on what God has called for us to do and what God has called for us to be. But everybody was born with a what? Purpose. Even 1st John chapter 3 verse 8 says that for this purpose the son of God was manifested. So Jesus was born with a purpose. And oftentimes we think about the purpose for which Jesus was born without realizing that even Jesus had process. The process for Jesus to get to his purpose was pretty complex, so much so that even Hebrews said that he had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. Ooh, I want to say that again. Even Jesus, the scripture said, learn obedience through the things that he suffered. Not that Jesus cognitively needed to learn a lesson, but Jesus was showing us the full process to get to our purpose. His purpose was to to destroy the work of the devil, but in order to achieve his purpose, he had to go through the Garden of Gethsemane. Garden of Gethsemane, the word Gethsemane means the place of crushing. That's where they crush grapes and crush olives. And when the more they crush them, the more oozed out of them. And interestingly enough, grapes are of more value when they're crushed. Olives are of more value when they're crushed. Interesting, Jesus, there was more than one Jesus in the first century, but there was only one Jesus, the Christ, because this Jesus was born for the full purpose of destroying the works of the devil, goes through the garden of Gethsemane to show us what it means to be crushed. And the full measure of his purpose was revealed on the other side of the crushing moment. So the scripture even tells us in Philippians that Jesus, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. But before he's highly exalted and the name above every name, the scripture in the Philippians says that he went through a time of conices where he is self-emptying, self-emptying. Part of the challenge we face to live into the promise of God for our lives, we have to go through a season of our lives where we have to empty ourselves of ourselves. And when we are emptying ourselves, sometimes we feel worthless. We feel as if we have no purpose. But I want to suggest to you today that sometimes in the very difficult moments of your life, in in the very challenging moments of your life, that's when God is birthing your purpose the greatest. Clap your hand for that. God even has purpose for those of us who have had all types of personal challenges. It could have been a learning challenge like I did. I had a learn. I was special ed as a little boy. I had a learning, a speech impediment. I think I told you that before. But some of us don't have just um, learning challenges. Some of us have character challenges, right, where we have been uh, all of our lives. They told you you're just like your uncle. You can't trust you. Just like your mama, just like your daddy, just like your granddaddy. And that's become a symbol of defeat, of something that's less to be desired. So we live, either living to it or we live our lives fighting against that. Amen? So this reminds me of our character today. His name is Jacob. All of his life, he was a tricker. When he was born, he was born-tricking. You born-tricking, You yeah, you got a real issue. (laughs) He was born trying to get something that he thought he couldn't get. But the interesting thing is, he was born with purpose, and purpose sometimes is is under pressure. Purpose is sometimes under pressure. In the text, the pressure is that the purpose made no sense. If the purpose for my life is to be the father of many nations and to succeed my father and grandfather, why is it that I'm not the first one born? Because culture says that the first one born is the one who gets the birthright. The first one born in Hebrew history was the first son was the one who was sort of tagged to be the successor. So if I'm born with a purpose that is big as I believe it is, Why is it that my birth order is out of sync, out of sequence? Why is it that that stars have not aligned for me? If I'm supposed to be that, why am I over here in this? So then, because Jacob not only had purpose, but he had had ingenuity. He had ingenuity. And that ingenuity was actually tied to his purpose. But what if your ingenuity that is tied to your purpose is used in an adverse way? When I was a chaplain in the prison, I walked through the halls of the prisons, and I saw many people with great gifts that were used in an adverse way. Drug addicts, often called them street pharmacists, because or, or drug pushers, because they are, 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 they're savvy. Anytime you can run an under uh, a business the way they run it, and they can run from the feds for as long as they have run from the feds, you got some. You got some. You you're, you're pretty genius. But what if your ingenuity is under pressure? It's the pressure of you have the skills to be a, good, a great business person, but you don't imagine yourself being a legal one because you're born in the ghetto. You're born in poverty. You don't have the right connections. You can't borrow the money for the economic development that you need. So you use your ingenuity in an adverse way. Are you with me in here today? So then what if you have all that it takes but you've used it in a wrong way and that and that adverse way has become a that adversity has now become a snowball effect one problem has led to another problem has led to another problem now you're so far away from where you thought you'd be that you have declared yourself cursed You have even cursed at God and said that no way that you have purpose for my life, because if you have purpose for my life, why is it that I'm here? Oh God, I feel like preaching. So then in the text, it tells us that this guy named Jacob, all of his life, he had to fight. All my life, I had to fight. All of his life he's had to fight. He's fighting for purpose that God intended for him, but he's put it all in his own hands. He tricked his brother. He tricked his father. And now he's down with his father-in-law and met a tricker who tricked the tricker, and now he's going to get him back. (laughs) Because his father Laban tricked him to marrying the, the sister that he did not want, and that was Leah. He wanted Rachel. So in in the text, it tells us that he decided to work another seven years. He had worked seven years for Rachel, and he was tricked to get Leah. And now he's working seven more years to get uh, Rachel. And the text says that he had had worked for Laban for 20 whole years. And now he's going to trick Laban because he heard God tell him to go back to his father's house. He heard God tell him. And when God tells him that, Jacob says, okay, but the only way I'm going to get back is I'm going to have the trick again. See, many of us are trying to figure our journey. God gave us the purpose, but we're trying to figure the journey out ourselves. So in the text, it brings us to the text today that here we are on this journey that Jacob is on trying to struggle and strain to discover a purpose, he realized that purpose was not his problem. His problem was that he wanted to work God's work out for God. So what he needed was a moment. In the 22nd uh, verse of this uh, chapter 32, it tells us that here we are. Jacob, he, with all of his possessions, he has all the possessions that he's acquired by tricking. And one thing that he realized, though, that he could not run from his past. So his past came back to haunt him. He was afraid of his brother. And so here was the person who had purpose that was now in a predicament. The predicament was that he had gained all of this wealth and he had what he thought all of what he needed to pursue a purpose, but he could not outrun his past. So then he thought, okay, well, what I can do is use what I've always used to get my way, and that is trick again. So he said, let me divide my possessions and send my possessions ahead of me. And I want all of my servants go in front of me. And when you see Esau, uh, tell him that uh, that his brother sent all of this for him. And if he tries to attack one group, the other group should flee. He had it all worked out how he could flee away from his brother to pursue his purpose. He had ingenuity, but he couldn't depend on ingenuity to produce God's purpose. That's for somebody in here today. You cannot, your thoughts are far away from God's thoughts. And as soon as you try to figure it out, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And you're going to create one predicament after the next. But in our text today, it says that while they were gone, Jacob being depressed goes across the fort of Jabbok, finds himself separated from his family, and Jacob is left alone. Can you put my, uh, my compass up there? Yes. Parenthetically. The compass as you know it, at the top is N, right? The north is up top. And if we were looking at this together, I guess you'd go this way and it would probably be what? West. The bottom would be south. And the far, your left would be what? East. Um, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. North at the top, east, like Georgia, where I'm from on the East Coast. And over here would be west, like California, right? And down south would be where I am in Dallas. Good. Thank you for the lesson. Thank you very much. I'll pass the test. But in antiquity, everything was oriented toward the east. So the, the, the compass, the pilgrim's compass from antiquity, uh, at the top is an E. And on the right would be an S. The bottom would be W. On the far left would be N, the north. So I want to use this compass to give you my four points before I leave you today. The E at the top is going to represent the word encounter. Say encounter. In the text, Jacob has an encounter. And I want to suggest to you the moment that we all need in pursuit of our, that what we all need in the pursuit of our purpose is a moment. We need that moment of encounter. He had an encounter with God. He had heard about God. He had been taught about God. He had prayed to God. He even believed in God. But he had not discovered that God is bigger than culture. God is bigger than problems. God is bigger than family. God is bigger than tradition. God is bigger than whatever situations that you've encountered all your life. God is bigger. Somebody say, God is bigger. So he had to have an encounter, sisters and brothers, if we're ever to pursue God's will for our lives, we must have an encounter with God. We must have an encounter with God. But You know, someone asked me, how do you know when God is speaking to you or leading you to do something? And I tell them because you can always test it. Whenever you believe God is leading you to do something, test it against this. Whenever God is leading you to do something, you're going to have a struggle. And that's where we get to the S, stand for struggle. All of my young life, I knew that God was going to call me to preach. I just knew it. And I was so excited and eager for it. And as soon as I was 15 and God called me to preach, there was this thing welled up in me while all of a sudden I didn't even want to do it. I drew up and didn't want to do it. And even today, whenever I know the Lord is leading me to do something and I'm confident it's because there's something in my flesh that says, no, you shouldn't do it. And these are the reasons why, you know, you're too big, you're too skinny, you're too black, you're too white, your hair is too sandy, too blonde, too kinky, too straight. There's always something, it is usually something personal that nobody else cares about but you. That gives you that sort of, that, that, that it puts up a wall against what it is that God is calling for you to do. Can I get a witness in here today? <laughs> so here we are. He has an encounter, and in the text, he, when he has an encounter with God, he struggles. The scriptures say he struggles, and he struggles all night because his will was strong. All of his life, he's lived in, out his own will and done it his way, and his way is now fighting with God. His way is fighting with God. I know how to do this. I've done this all my life. I can figure this out. But sometimes we have to surrender to that will. And and many of us, because our will is so strong, uh, that struggle gets really intense and things get worse before they get better. And that takes us down to the W. He was wounded in his struggle. He was wounded in his struggle because the thing that he had so depended on, his flesh, is now crippled. God is trying to show him that you cannot do anything in pursuit of my purpose, in your flesh. I want to say that again. You, because this is a word for somebody, you can't do anything in God's purpose, in pursuit of God's purpose, in your flesh. And what I mean by that is your own senses. You can see it. I don't see how this is going to happen. Great. Because that's the flesh needs to see it. Walk by faith and not by sight. Right? So in the flesh, it doesn't mean my body. It means my will, my, my senses. I don't smell it. I can't see it. I can't figure it out. I can't touch it. So then you wrestle and you struggle. And then God says, now I'm going to wound the thing that you have been dependent on, your flesh. So he wounds him. Has anybody in here today ever gone through a wounding with God? Oh, I have. And sometimes it's like the life would just take the life right out of you. And in that moment, you feel like everything is over because the thing that you've depended on for so long is no longer there. And your your whole life is over. Sometimes we even have suicidal thoughts because we can't even figure this out. I've tried. I prayed. And nothing happened. And now everything is gone. And, you know, I can't live another day. I must end my own life. But sisters and brothers, don't, repeat after me, don't abort your destiny. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Don't abort your destiny because when you're in the wounding moment, you can believe that you're right there on the precipice, precipice, not of a breakdown, but of a breakthrough. Repeat after me, I'm coming out of this. I don't know. I believe this is a prophetic word for somebody because I was going to preach from the book of Judges and the Holy Ghost told me to go back to the book of Genesis. I got a word for somebody in here today. You're not going to have a breakdown. That's a lie. You're not. Listen, let me tell you when he was reading my bio and I was sitting there thinking to myself, that sounds like an accomplished person. You know the glory, but let me tell you the story. Every success story is full of failure When he was reading that, he didn't talk about the test I failed. He didn't talk about the time I almost got put out of school. Because I'm trying to tell you, somebody in here, you're getting lost in the weeds and in the details. And you're losing sight of the big picture. Your success is bigger than your failure. Now, I'm not telling you to go fail those tests at the end of the semester. I'm just saying that the sum total of success is full of failures. A man came to our school one day at my dad Christian school where I went to as a young boy. And he was a physician, a surgeon. And he got up and he said, you, you, you guys, you're always talking about the surgeon, Dr. Alexander, and the one who, who invented the part. There is a, a Titanic invention um, a titanium invention that he has for the back. And so he does, he a, was a multimillionaire. He said, that's all you see, but I can't tell you how many of these tests in med school that got D's and C's and I barely made it through. I, I can't tell you all of the challenges that I've faced. I often tell people that when we go to the mall in uh, Washington, D.C. and see the statue of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., we just see a person, a preacher, who had an indelible impression on our society and race relations. But if you go down to Morehouse College, you will realize he was not the he was not the summa cum laude who graduated from, from uh, 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 Morehouse College. In fact, I asked my students one day, what was the name of the uh, summa kun laud and they said uh, in the year that Dr. King graduated and they were thinking that they were supposed to know and I said well I don't either (laughs) but the one who graduated thank you (laughs) Lottie, because he lived and to somebody say purpose But except you have a moment of discovery, except you have a moment of revelation, except you have a moment, the aha moment in your life, you will always be fighting your flesh because your flesh cannot produce God's purpose for your life. But all sisters and brothers that when we surrender in the wounding moment, there is where we get the end. And anybody know what the end is? Our name will be changed. That means whoever he was before he had this moment, he is no longer that person. You are known by the name Jacob because the name Jacob defined who you were. But but who you will be will not be who you were. Touch your neighbor and tell them who you will be will not be who you were. Oh God, I'm about to preach for the next five minutes. Who you who you will be will not be who you were. That's why you gotta, that's why you gotta cut some people out of your life because they they're just gonna remind you of who you were. That's the reason why you gotta tell the haters, talk to the hand. And I don't hear you because if you let them get into your spirit, they're gonna drag you back to who you were. They don't realize your name has been changed. They don't realize that where you're going is not where you have been. I'm here to tell somebody here to that your destiny is not like your history. Mm, my God, my God, my God, your destiny is not like your history. The people who you used to hang out with are not the people who you will hang out with. Your colleagues who you used to have are not the colleagues who you will have because the transformation moment has now set you on a course for victory. You used to be in defeat. You used to be in mediocrity. You used to be down. But now you're going up. You're going far. You're going to lift your heads to the heels from where your help comes from because all of your help comes from out there not back there I've taught in the prisons many times and I've seen people's lives transform and I often tell them now when you get out don't go back where you came from why because if you go back they're going to steal, they're going to abort what God has deposited into you. Sisters and brothers, Jacob's name was changed so much so that his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and his great-great-great-grandchildren all the way until today, we do not know them as the children of Jacob. We know them as the children of Israel because this moment was a defining moment. It was a transformational moment that nobody in his legacy is tied to who he used to be. That's you. That's you right here in this room today. The world is changing and the future is waiting on you. Don't try to bring who you used to be past this defining moment. Let God transform you into who God would like for you to be. And even your own family sometimes would be haters, would turn into haters. Who do you think you are? Why are you acting like that? Why are you talking like that all of a sudden? Well, you're so sanctified, you're not even satisfied. And before you know it, you're going to try to start changing back to who they are to fit in and try to assimilate to society and all of it. And you're going to miss out on what God is trying to do in your life but I believe somebody in here today is going to grab hold of this defining moment and you're going to move forward. And listen to this. And when he came out of this moment, he was limping. He was limping because that was the memory that you were wounded. You cannot depend on your flesh. You've depended depended on it long enough and it got you nowhere. You tried to depend on your name and your connections and and who you were able to call on the phone. But God is saying that what he's going to do in your life Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of humankind what God has in store for those who love him. And it's not by power, and it's not by might, but it's by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. Can we all stand? I believe this is a word for somebody. And I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit even now to suggest to you that if you are in that moment right now, if you felt that the Lord was talking to you, why don't you just come down here with your hands up and just receive the moment. Just receive, receive. Don't let the moment go by. Tomorrow, years after this one, I want you to always look back to that moment that you were in chapel when you experienced the transformation power of the Lord. Right now, right now, right now, right now. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for these, your children, who have gathered around the altar now, because they're seizing the moment. They're not going to let the moment get past. A moment of encounter. They're struggling in one way or the other. Some are even wounded. In one place of this map, in one place of this pilgrim's compass, that's where they are. But Lord, we believe that through it all, you're going to give them a transformational moment where the name, the identity they once have, fear, animosity, trickery, whatever it may be. Maybe if it's it's even low self-esteem, that's in the past. Now they're going to move past that and move into this moment, this moment of victory in Jesus name. Amen.